context of what we're going to be talking about this morning for the sermon uh, in Matthew chapter 2. I just kind of wanted to, you know, give a little more footnotes to the sermon, so to speak, this morning. Um, but uh, in, in, during the sermon, we'll mostly be talking about the star of Bethlehem. Uh, but here, I think it'd be interesting to discuss, like, the three wise men and the gifts that they brought. So, uh, Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Does anyone want to read that? Matthew 2, 1 through 12. Yeah, that works. This is, I think this is super interesting just because this is what, uh, or rather, it's interesting because of our uh, traditions and presuppositions about what it looked like back then. So, do you notice anything that in the text that looks like our picture of Christmas should be different. Is there anything in the text that seems to disagree with some traditions that we have today? Yeah, how many wise men showed up? Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, we generally think that there are three because there were three gifts, which uh, that's that's actually a good point. Um, so notice in chapter two. Let me see here. 
uh, it's early on. It says in verse 3, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. So the three wise men troubled all of Jerusalem. How do you think that worked? Yeah, it was like a caravan of wise men. Yeah, they were kings, essentially. Uh, not kings, they were priests. Um, but like, uh, there's an ancient religion called Zoroastrianism, and that's what the Magi were. The word Magi comes from the Greek word magus, meaning... Uh, which is where we get our word for magic. Uh, the word magician means basically those who are magi, interestingly enough. Have you ever heard of that? You've heard the word magician before, right? Yeah. Uh, it means those who are magi and essentially magic. Uh, the Greek word is magus. M-A-G-U-S, basically. Uh, but like, the three wise men was likely a huge caravan of people. And what makes it clear is that uh, Matthew chapter 2, verse 3, uh, that all of Jerusalem was troubled because of it, Right? So imagine this, this huge caravan walks into the middle of Jerusalem. Wouldn't you wonder what was going on if like a bunch of foreigners came in? Imagine like uh, there was like a parade of, I don't know, Islam that came through Ronan. Like wouldn't you be curious about what's going on? Yeah, so, uh, like, wouldn't it trouble all of Ronan, at least in a sense, that, like, there were so many foreigners that all of a sudden invaded, and then they came to the king, say, uh, the mayor of Ronan, I don't know what's the equivalent there, but, uh, and they're like, we want to see the king. Imagine what that would have been like, what that would be like, right? This huge caravan that troubled all of Jerusalem. And assembled all the chief priests and scribes of the people. Uh, Herod, which is interesting in verse 4, inquired of them, the chief priests and scribes of the people, where the Christ was to be born. So this kind of gives us, the reader, as like, uh, it gives us a knowledge that Herod, King Herod, who was half Jew and half Idumean, that he had a knowledge, at least superficially, of the uh, 
of the scripture, right? He knew that there was a place that the Messiah was to be born, but he didn't know where it was, right? And we get that from Malachi. Uh, half Jew. Yeah, he was he was uh, part Idumian. Yeah. Uh, just from another, it's Gentile. He was half Jew, half Gentile. <clears throat> so, uh, we look through this, this passage. This is, remember, again, this is the sermon scripture we're going to go over this morning. And I wanted to give everyone some, like, more meat to it. Uh, but, yeah, what else in the text can you see that doesn't seem to match up with our understanding today? Well, verse 11, at least in the next one days, what strikes me is that when the wise men got there, yeah. he says, and when they had come into the house. Yes. So, yeah. Well, we don't know how long. Two years is like a, uh, it's total guesstimation. Uh, but we do know that it was after some time. Uh, and the reason we know is because in this passage, uh, it talks about when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, right? Uh <clears throat> Where does it say it at? It's in verse 1, isn't it? Uh, yeah, that's where he lived. So, uh, uh, where does it say that there was no room for them in the inn? Definitely in Luke. Yeah, I guess it's not in Matthew, huh? Two seven. Uh, Luke two seven. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, so, <clears throat> what happened was, remember the census, right? Herod called for the census. Why would he do that? Uh, did he try to do that, the census, after he heard about the king of the Jews? Caesar called for it. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. What is that? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, let me think here. I'm trying to get all my ducks in a row. Yeah, so Joseph and Mary were coming back from the census, right? 
And on their traveling, there was no room for them in the inn, right? <clears throat> and Mary was about to give birth, and uh, she couldn't make it back to her house, right? So there was no room for them at the stable, uh, or rather at the inn. So we often say that they went to a stable, which is where the wise men visited them, right? Our traditions show this by our nativities, right? Like you look at any nativity and it shows a building or like a barn. But honestly, what, what most likely took place was that it was a cave. Uh, and the cave... Not only does the nativity show like the wise men at the cave, right? That is actually uh, not a very clear picture of what, what took place historically speaking, the nativity. Because number one, it wasn't in a building, most likely. The, the farmers put their animals in like lean-tos, natural lean-tos. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, where like maybe rocks hanging over a cliff or something like that, or uh, in caves or, you know, like they wouldn't build a barn for their animals. That's just not how they did it. <clears throat> but like all of our nativity sets show this. Uh, and they show the wise men coming to the nativity, right? But, like what Renee was saying in verse, was it 9? 11. 11, yeah. And going into the house. So they moved from the place of Jesus' birth to a house at this point. What's that? Five miles. But they weren't back in Nazareth. Oh, Nazareth? Uh, I'm not sure how far Nazareth is, actually. Right, but I'm saying if they, went, they just went to Bethlehem for the census, right? How long would that have taken? Like, if they were still at Bethlehem when the Magi came, they hadn't gone home. Yeah. But they had found a house. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, right. right. So it wasn't the night he was born, but if they were still in Bethlehem, they hadn't gone home. Yeah. And it couldn't have been, well, unless... It couldn't have been what? It wouldn't have been super long after, necessarily, unless... No. It wasn't super long after. Uh, a, a census, an ancient census, de definitely took some more time than what we think of census. I don't think so, but it's very possible... But it took maybe a year, you know? Yeah. Renee. More babies, I gotta Yeah. Well, my, my thought is that if it did take a year or two years or whatever it took, that before the, from the birth of Jesus to the time the wise men came, then that means that the star of Bethlehem was shown for that long. That right. Of time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So what's interesting is think about this. 
the wise men, when they saw the star from the east, they were in the east and they saw the star, right? Uh, <clears throat> so where did they go? Where? Jerusalem, right? So <clears throat> they said, we, st we saw the star from the east, right? Uh, they went to Jerusalem saying, verse 2, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. They went to Jerusalem. They saw his star in Jerusalem, in other words. That's where Herod was. Herod the Great. So, specifically, Herod the Great was like a pretty serious dude back in the day. <clears throat> well, yeah. Yeah, and that's what we're talking about in the sermon, mostly, is the star of Bethlehem. Uh, so, yeah, like, you got to think, the star of Bethlehem was first the star of Jerusalem, which is why the Magi went there, right? And they, they asked Herod, where is the baby? Because we saw his star. Uh, now, another question I have for Jesus when I get there, you know, <clears throat> is when, uh, when the Magi saw the star, were they the only ones who saw it? Well, that's what I was just going to ask, too. Is like, how come they're the only ones that saw the star? But, but I guess they were astronomers. Yeah. That's why the Jewish chief priests, or were they just not paying attention? Well, that's what I'm saying. I, like, there's some shrouded mystery in here, you know. Uh, it seems to me that no one took notice of the star. Right, except for the Magi. Oh, yeah. And the Old Testament, it was considered a sin to follow the stars. Yeah. So the Jews themselves didn't pay attention to the stars as much as the Magi. For sure. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was, it was something they weren't supposed to do. Well, I mean, they they were supposed to look at them. Yeah, the yeah, yeah. For like calendar and all that stuff. So they would look at like the North Star, for instance, you know, or whatever. The what is that South Star called? Uh, the Cross, the Southern Cross, right? Uh, <clears throat> for the Southern Southern Hemisphere, but. Yeah, like I think, man, it seems from reading the text that only the Magi understood this, this, star, this star. They, they're the only ones who seem to notice it. When Herod, verse 3, the king heard this, he was troubled, right? Well, I mean, he didn't question it if he did notice it. Yeah. So, like, I don't know, I... I think that's interesting. Um, but like verse 9, we can see, it says, after listening to the king, uh, 
King Herod, the great, Herod the Great, they went on their way and behold the star uh, that they had seen when it rose went before them. So not only does this star rise for them to see in Jerusalem, for them to come to Jerusalem, it moves. Stars don't do that. And not only do stars not move, uh, when we're on our, you know, when we're on planet Earth and we look up at the sky, which way do the stars move? All of them. They move from east to west. This is showing that it went from Jerusalem to Bethlehem, which is south. Stars don't move south from north to south, right? Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So that's another question is uh, how is it possible that there was a star in the Earth's atmosphere? That's what I'm leading to. I don't think it was a star. In either case, it was in Jerusalem and then it was in Bethlehem. Mm -hmm. So it moved. It was in Jerusalem because that's where the Magi went. And then it was in uh, verse 9, it says, After listening to the king, Herod, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them. Yeah, they were in Bethlehem. Or, no. Uh, it says, uh, after listening to the king who was in Jerusalem, right, they went before, or they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest. So the star was moving, right? It is absolutely 100% clear that the star was moving. And it was in Jerusalem, and it led them to Bethlehem. And it came to rest over the place where the child was. Verse 9. sending the priests to the Magi to Bethlehem. No, no, no. Herod's sending his scribes and priests. Right, but this is saying verse 7. Herod called the Magi. Yeah. Now from the exact 
time, and then he sent them to Bethlehem, the ones who first child. And after they, the Magi, and heard the king, they yeah. went on their way, and the star rose and stopped over the place where the child was. But it doesn't actually say they were in Bethlehem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they hadn't gone to Egypt yet, because it's when they had gone, and Angel appeared and said, Joseph, get up and go to So it would seem that if Herod was sending people to kill people in Bethlehem, that's probably where they still were. If he was saying you need to escape to Egypt. He didn't send yeah, he didn't. soldiers to Nazareth. No, they were still in Bethlehem. That's, right. That's what I was trying to figure out. Sorry. Yeah. Well, how come Herod didn't see the star? Well, that's what we were just saying. Uh, if he didn't see it, which is a whole other issue on, in its own, right? Uh, Maybe Herod didn't see it. Maybe Herod couldn't see it. Maybe no one else could see it. You know what I'm saying? Uh, maybe it was only for the wise men, quote unquote. Right? Um, what did uh, Elijah, when uh, his servant was with him, and he was like, Terrified. What happened? Yeah, exactly. Right? So, uh, it is very possible that no one saw the star except for the wise men. Um, because I think that the star of Bethlehem was most likely an angel. Like a messenger. Right? Which the word... Angelos in the Greek means messenger, uh, which it doesn't describe a species necessarily, like a species of being, right? Like a winged man-shaped creature. It doesn't necessarily describe that. It necessarily describes a messenger, simply put. Kind of interesting, right? Uh, there's something called, and we'll talk about this during the sermon, but th there's something called phenomenological language. And phenomenological language is what we describe from our viewpoint, from our vantage point, right? Like, what we see is what we describe. And often, we find, like, in the Revelation with John, he's, like, groping human language trying to describe what he's seeing uh, like he talks about winged creatures with eyes all around what is he talking about right uh, creatures with six wings that worship God in his temple day and night they never stop worshiping him right saying holy 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 is the Lord God almighty the, the one who is and who is and who is to come Day and night, right? What are you What are you describing? Like, how do you describe something spiritual with physical words? See what I'm saying? That is a very, like, one might even say it's an impossible task. But... So the star of Bethlehem moves from north to south, 
not like uh, east to west, but from north to south. And it is clearly in the earth's atmosphere, which stars do not do. Stars are not in earth's atmosphere. Yeah. How would we know, how do we know that stars do not uh, that 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 stars aren't in Earth's atmosphere? Well, yeah. What about it? Yeah. Like, uh, how do we know that the star of Bethlehem was in the Earth's atmosphere? From the text. How do we know that the star of Bethlehem was in the earth's atmosphere? I don't think we necessarily know it because they follow it and get under it. And get under it. Uh, it says in verse 9, right? This is the key verse the star that they had seen when it rose before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. Do you think you could figure out how to rest, come to rest under the north star? How do you know when you're under it? You know what I'm saying? With accuracy. With so much accuracy that there's a child there. Yeah, to a not even a house, but a room. Uh, not even a room, but a but a space in a room, right? Yeah, there you go. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's GPS. Uh, yeah, in the sermon I call that God's positioning system. GPS. Yeah. Okay. All right. The big city. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Pretty crazy, right? Uh, so the star was in the Earth's atmosphere, and we know this that it came to rest over the place where the child was. Like, uh, but but I want. I don't know. I think it's fascinating to think of this phenomenological language, right? Uh, basically, we're describing what we see, which, you know, and like I said, we'll talk about this in a sermon too, but we use this all the time, phenomenological language. Uh, can you think of a time when we use it to describe something we see that is not actually taking place? about physically something we see from our perspective that is happening and we describe it as we see it but it's not actually happening that way like somebody exploded out of the door <laughs> yeah that's that's a, that's a possibility yeah uh, I would call that more of uh, Hyper hyperbole. Uh, so, what, like a magic trick? No, 
No, I would say that's like deception. Phenomenological language is like describing what you literally see with your eyeballs, but it's not actually taking place the way you describe it. No, this is good because I want people to understand what phenomenological language is. Is it more like if a big, burly, hairy dude comes walking at you and you're like, this bear was coming at me? I don't know. No, that would be uh, hyperbole again. And what's the difference between hyperbole and There's a big difference. Uh, yeah, nobody's getting it. Yeah, phenomenal. Sensory perception. What's that? No, it's not like uh, it's not like we're sensing something uh, that's not actually there. It's it's uh, uh, think of weather, weathermen, the weatherman, right? Uh, <clears throat> how do they describe the weather? Yeah, I mean uh, that's hyperbole too, but uh, so. So remember that in phenomenological language, we're describing from our human perspective, right? Uh, an example, and I think this will make it click for you, is that we say, the sun rose today. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, the earth rotates. The sun does not rise. Right? We, it, but, but from our phenomenological linguistic perspective, it looks like the sun is coming up. But actually, we're the ones moving. Right? Uh, so that is phenomenological language. And the same language, phenomenological language, is what is used to describe the star of Bethlehem. Right? They're describing what they see, though it is clearly not a star. But I think it's interesting that we can examine it, right? Uh, like we said, the, the, the traditional nativity is unlikely, you know, because number one, Jesus was born in a cave, probably. And... Uh, they moved to the house where the Magi were, so which was likely considerably later than the time of his birth, like the actual conception, right? Or not conception, the conceiving, right? That's how you say that, right? Yeah. Yeah, the delivery. That's the best way to say it. Um, but yeah, like... I don't know. So, it says that they opened their treasures and they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And gold, we kind of... We already have an idea of what that looks like, right? Um, but frankincense was like this resin from a tree, almost like pine pitch. 
and <clears throat> it had like a sweet smelling aroma. Uh, it, it was used as incense, kind of like how we use candles in our home today. Like we light a candle, you know, when we have people over. They burned frankincense, like incense. Um, but myrrh was a resin from a specific shrub. And <clears throat> it was used either as a burial spice, like you would, you would, uh, uh, when, when Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea uh, gathered spices, 75 pounds of spices. Like, think of how big that truck was that carried those. How much do spices weigh, right? Like, you think of dried flowers and stuff like that. How much does it take to make 75 pounds? A lot, right? But this was the natural burial uh, custom. Yeah, well, for any Jew... Well, uh, and that's where another thing I think that people get a little mixed up on is that myrrh was used either as a burial spice or to honor someone. Uh, and because it was either of those, it is not necessary to assume that it was for uh, like the future death of Jesus. Do you know what I'm saying? Like the the uh, uh, like, I don't think that Matthew put it in his mind that the myrrh was for the crucifixion and death and resurrection of Jesus. I think that he's simply stating that it was to honor someone, uh, and it's not absolute that. Matthew was thinking about this being a burial spice, so to speak, when he wrote it down. <clears throat> but, like, that's the, that's the, I feel like that's the common trend in theology, is to think that this is also some kind of pro, like, uh, like prophecy, in a sense. In a sense, get it? <clears throat> but yeah, anyway, uh, frankincense was not used for burials. Uh, only myrrh. Uh, you could probably argue that gold was, but I'm sure it was very rare that gold was part of the burial. Uh, yeah, for kings and such, yeah. Um, but yeah, like... These gifts were considered, uh, think of getting a, you know, a $2,000 bottle of, uh, I don't know, Tommy Hilfiger cologne. You know what I'm saying? That would, that would be like what it's like. Something like that. <clears throat> like this giant bottle of cologne or something, you know. Um, But yeah, like we have all these uh, these ideas about what the what took place in history. 
And often these presuppositions that we have are wrong. I like uh, I like Jim's example of a presupposition about a turkey. Do you know what I'm talking about, Jim? Yeah, cutting the what is it? How do you say it? The turkey in the roasting pot? Oh, the ham? Yeah, is it a ham? Yeah. Yeah. You always cut the end off. Right. Right. Why? Yeah, so like the idea is that yeah, down through the centuries people cut the corner of the ham off but nobody knows why and it was just boiled down to like some grandmother had a certain sized pot that it would only fit in if you cut that part of the ham off right? So our presuppositions like they 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 in a sense barricade us from knowing what is true. But like this is how if we search the scriptures and analyze them like the word house with like what Renee was saying in verse 11. <clears throat> Going into the house the magi saw the child with Mary's mother and they fell down and worshipped him. Right? And the house so the nativities they're pretty much all wrong. At least in some sense, right? I always have my wife Yeah, <laughs> right. And then they come. Yeah, there you go. Oh, there you go. Right. Yeah, like it makes sense. Yeah, and who knows how long they traveled too. Yep. They found him in Egypt after the exodus from escaping Herod. They found who in Egypt? When Mary, Joseph, and Jesus escaped from Herod to Egypt. Yeah. That's where the white men oh. possibly yeah. caught up with them. Yeah. But in Matthew it doesn't say that. Yeah. It just says a child. So. It says they find him and then they went to Yeah. Because they had to dream that he was dead. Yeah. But also, we know that they were in Bethlehem at least eight days because they went to the temple mm -hmm. to get him circumcised. Yep. Anna and Simeon, you know, and the rest of the gang were. Yep. Because Simeon traveled to Bethlehem. Yeah. And Anna lived in the temple. Yeah. Place. Yeah, and Simeon's like, you know, I can die now because I've seen our salvation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, that's pretty cool, right? Goodness. There's so much that surrounds this that, yeah. Renee. So, one question is, okay, so, let me just um, So, when they saw the star, it was for sure after Jesus was born, right? Yeah. Or were they assuming that he had been born because the star then, you know, eventually appeared to them at conception in that period? You know, I don't know how long it took them to travel from wherever they were yeah. to there. I mean, but I imagine it would have taken a great length of time. Yeah. Uh, if they were Zoroastrians, uh, Zoroastrian priests, then they would have been in Syria, basically. Uh, this was an ancient Persian religion. I've also heard arguments that they were... Uh, 
Nabataeans, which comes from uh, like Petra Jordan, basically. Um, but I don't think that's accurate because uh, it says that they were in the east uh, and came to the west in a sense, right? After Jesus was born, men, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is the dude that this star is pointing at? You know? So, where is the king of the Jews, right? So I think that because Petra Jordan is is south of Jerusalem, that that can't be accurate. I think that it's more likely that uh, Zoroastrians were the, the priests, which uh, Zoroastrianism was an ancient uh, religion that <clears throat> focused on astronomy, right? Um, but like, the religion itself was kind of dying at the time. Uh, so like, I, I don't know, it's, it's almost like uh, Je Jehovah's Witnesses are like a dying religion, right? Right now. Like COVID basically uh, wiped most of it out. You know, their numbers are like very fallen and... <clears throat> yeah, that's a better version, yeah. So, like the Shakers, like nobody even knows what they are, you know, because they don't exist anymore. Uh, the Zoroastrians, the wise men, were likely priests that were keeping the religion alive, right? Even in its dormant state. Uh, which, there are Zoroastrianism, uh, Zoroastrians today, we would call them uh, Parsi. So, <clears throat> but it's essentially the same thing. And uh, I don't know, it's, it's pretty interesting. It's, uh, uh, I'm, I'm sure you've heard the, the word Mazda before, right? Yeah, the car. Mazda? That is the Zoroastrian god. Ahura? Uh, have you ever heard that? Uhura? Uh, you ever watch, anyone ever watch Star Trek? Uhura? Ahura uh, Mazda is the name of the god in, in Zoroastrianism. And, uh, <clears throat> and there's some texts that seem to suggest that there was a god above Ahura Mazda, which is called Mithra, uh, or Mithra, but I don't know, that's speculation and a rabbit trail. But, uh, like I said, I think that it's pretty convincing that the wise men were Zoroastrians, which is interesting because God used these men who were Gentiles to point out to the Jews you know what I'm saying? This star, all of Jerusalem was troubled because of the wise men coming. Now were they troubled because of their, their arrival? Or were they, or were they troubled because of the, uh, the news that they brought? Yeah. 
I, th I think that it was, uh, it was the news. Yeah, you would think, right? Uh, I think that troubled doesn't necessarily mean like negatively bad. Uh, troubled could mean stirred, right? Uh, so it's possible that some of them were excited about it. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty interesting, right? All these things that we, we take for granted. We assume them to be true because we see these things around us, like nativities, right? <clears throat> but they're, they're very likely not accurate. But the, the problem is, or not the problem, the thing that we need to understand is, no matter what we know about the events that surround the birth of Christ, we know that Christ was born. Right? And that's what it boils down to, is all these details that surround the birth of Christ, they're not essential. Right? They're not essential. Uh, the, the details that we can't know from the text. Do you know what I'm saying? <clears throat> the details such as the nativity. In the nativity, whether Jesus was born in, a, in a, a barn or a cave, right? Those are not essential things that we need to know. Uh, what we need to know is that the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we know that. Same with uh, December 25th, right? The day that we celebrate the birth of Christ. Was, was Jesus born on December 25th? It's very unlikely. There's one possibility that talks about uh, how it is, it is possible that it was December 25th. But the problem is, there are so many other things that say that it's not December 25th, right? Uh, it could have been the beginning of winter when Jesus was born. It could have been also the beginning of spring. Well, we go by the... Uh, <clears throat> we go by the lunar calendar, basically to discover when it was. And uh, like Luke, for instance, puts all these lunar... Uh, he, he puts all these like timelines in his passages, right? It says like... Uh, Luke says frequently things like, in the year, the seventh year of King Hader, whatever, rain, blah, 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 you know? And we can know from that, but like... Uh, and that's how a lot of people get the argument that it was December 25th. Um, but, like I said, does it matter when the day was? What matters? It matters that he came, right? We know it was 2,000 or so years ago, right? 
we can see from the texts, we can see, you know, pretty close in, I would say, to the year, personally, right? Like, when was Jesus born? What year was Jesus born? Zero? One? What else? Anyone else? Yeah. So it was likely that Jesus was born in 6 BC. And his, his uh, ministry ended in AD 33. So how old was he? Somewhere around there, right? Yep. Which is interesting, isn't it? Depends on when he changed the calendar. Yeah. Yeah, that's what the Gregorian calendar. It was the Julian calendar. uh, The Jewish calendar. And then, so like, there's all these math equations that you have to go through and all these historical things that you have to... uh, Navigate in order to find the dates of ancient <clears throat> ancient uh, events, but it's it's interesting that we can do some of that, right? Like we can tell. Uh, I I think we might know the day that Julius Caesar died. You know what I'm saying? With accuracy, because of events that surround that the event of his death, the, the events that surround, like, that took place around his death. And that's how we can see the accuracy of these historical events. events. Um, but sometimes there's pieces missing. And in any case, the point is that December 25th is the uh, traditional historical day that we celebrate the coming of Christ to planet earth and it's interesting that that atheists and such think that uh, they they can uh, that they can uh, I don't know reduce Christianity to nothing because we celebrate it on the day when Jesus wasn't born. Excuse me. Yes. Uh, Yeah. And that's another thing is uh, (laughs) I, I find this meme that's funny that says something like we don't we don't celebrate uh AD, or we don't sell it, we don't use BC and AD anymore. And they're like, now what are you going to do? Uh, and they say we celebrate BCE and CE for the co- before the common era, the common era. What is it that took place <laughs> in order to make the common era? Right? So whatever. Say whatever you want. What's that? Exactly, yeah. The birth of Christ signifies the event of the common era, which I call Christ's era, and before Christ's era, which there isn't really a before Christ's era. So, 
<coughs> but in any case, that's uh, some things to think about uh, this Christmas day. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this day and we thank you for uh, just bringing us here safely and we pray that you would provide uh, protection in our travels wherever we go today. And Lord, I just pray that you would have your blessings upon those who uh, come to hear your word and come to know you. And I pray, Lord, that you would just work in their hearts. Use us for your honor and glory, Lord, in everything that we do. We thank you, Jesus. We praise and worship you. It's in your name, Lord, we pray. Amen.